once I realized that I wanted to be in service, I looked for a void. Where is there a void in service that I could contribute? I could use my time, my talent, my treasure to really contribute. And I found that there was a void in veteran services when it comes to legal aid. And then what I started doing is I talked to everybody I could that I thought had any relevancy to the industry, people that had more experience than I did, people that I felt were intelligent, that would give me an honest assessment. And I really tried to measure up the industry by talking to people and doing that research. And that research was not just in, hey, what kind of services I should provide, but you know, what should the eligibility be? How do I market it? How do I get funding? Where do I find seed funding? And it was really several people. It was a tribe of us, you know, a village that lit that flame so that Veterans Legal Institute could come to be. Welcome to the Madeline and Becca podcast. The mission of our podcast is simple, to inspire professional self-confidence in women everywhere. I'm Madeline. And I'm Becca. On our podcast, you will hear stories from real-world influencers, women who have experienced tremendous success in their careers by building self-confidence. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, we are joined by Antoinette Balta, the executive director and co-founder of the Veterans Legal Institute, a nonprofit law firm that provides free legal services to low-income and homeless veterans and empowers them into self-sufficiency. Antoinette was an officer with the California State Guard for over six years. She served the rank of major both as a marketing officer assigned to strategic communications as well as reserve JAG officer assigned to Legal Support Command. Antoinette is also a graduate of the 2018 Presidential Leadership Scholars Class, a prestigious program that serves as a catalyst for a diverse network of leaders brought together to collaborate and make a difference in the world as they learn about leadership through the lens of the presidential experiences of George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, and Lyndon B. Johnson. Antoinette will discuss her experience as a female in the military, how and why she found the Veterans Legal Institute, and how she empowers veterans into self-sufficiency. She will also share her strategies for developing professional self-confidence early in her career and why it's important to pursue your passion. Here's Madeline. We are excited to welcome Antoinette Balta. Antoinette is the executive director and the co-founder of the Veterans Legal Institute, a nonprofit law firm that provides free legal services to low-income and homeless veterans and empowers them into self-sufficiency. So welcome, Antoinette, and we're happy to have you here today. Wonderful. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Well, let's start by discussing your, where your work ethic and where your desire to pursue a career of public service came from. Well, that's a long story. It dates back to childhood. You know, I had excellent mentors and my parents, they are first generation Americans. Well, rather I am because they both immigrated here um, and were both very low income. And they taught me through their acts of service, their um, professional careers and their dedication to their families, uh, what it means to have strong work ethic. And I try my best each day to honor them 
um, in my own career and with my work uh, ethic and along with how I raise my family. That's great. So let's um, discuss first your professional background for our listeners, um, including your um, service as a JAG officer with the California State Guard and um, your interest in the military generally. Well, my interest in the military dates prior to joining the California State Guard. My father is a foreign veteran and was in combat. And when he came to the United States, he was going to be drafted to go to Vietnam. And he actually trained um, quite a bit with the National Guard, but fortunately didn't have to go to Vietnam. Um, but I realized at an early age that there was something different about those that have been in combat, something unspoken, uh, invisible wounds of war, per se. And it was something that um, I'm, I became very sensitive to in other people, especially in um, American veterans. And so one day while I was working in public interest, but mostly with uh, homeless populations as well as nonprofits, I was volunteering at an emergency shelter at a National Guard armory. And I noticed that three out of every 10 of the people that I spoke with to provide free legal services to had served in the military. And I thought, wow, that's really strange because, you know, the military breeds leaders. Why are we seeing such a strong homeless population? Um, And so I did a little research and a little digging. And I mean, this was over a decade ago, but um, I realized that it's those same invisible wounds of war left untreated that can really have a residual effect on veterans and their families. And it's something that I'm very passionate about. So I decided to start uh, my own nonprofit uh, servicing specifically low-income and homeless veterans. And also um, around the same time, I did join the California State Guard because I wanted to provide free legal services and really support the National Guard JAG officers um, with their workload by using my background in public interest. So I read that um, you're, you were encouraged by your mother to pursue higher education, your BA, your JD, your LLM. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your, your educational experiences and your early career before you founded Veterans Legal Institute? Sure. Um, well, I am the first woman to get a college degree in my entire extended family. So it was very exciting. My mom was my biggest cheerleader. It was, you know, one of the few things in life that she wanted and she never got. So she wanted to make sure that her children um, achieved a higher education. Fortunately, um, we're so mindful that in this great country, um, women and minorities and, and people that are low income oftentimes get those opportunities, whereas, you know, we might not have those same opportunities in other countries. So I'm incredibly grateful um, for her persuasion, her very strong mm-hmm. persuasion. My mom is super cool. If you meet her, she's about five foot two. She's very (laughs) quiet, but feisty at the same time. And she gave me three options. She said, in this country, you can be anything you want, as long as a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, anything you want. (laughs) One of those three. So I I still don't know what engineers do. And I'm not a fan of blood. So I'm like, lawyer sounds good. And so um, when you came out of um, out of law school, tell us a little bit about your early career in private practice. You know, just like many other people, I came out of law school with a lot of debt. Um, I had to finance my way through um, and I got some scholarships, but still it was a lot. So while private uh, practice was never my goal, um, it paid the bills and I worked really hard and very long hours until I reached a place where I could make the transition into public interest and afford it. Um, and fortunately, I get support from my husband, 
who has his own income and really um, does the heavy lifting when it comes to, you know, paying the mortgage and, and helping out with the kids and stuff like that. So um, I was able to land a fellowship through the AmeriCorps as an Equal Justice Works fellow. And that provided me two years of funding to uh, work at a public interest law firm. So if you've heard of Teach for America for teachers, Mm -hmm. they actually offer that for attorneys too. And it was a really great way to springboard uh, my career in public interest. So we have a lot of younger listeners who are early in their career. Can you describe for us some of um, the strategies you used in terms of just developing uh, professional self-confidence early on in your career? You know, what I find, especially amongst um, less experienced women in the workforce is that, and, and including experienced women in the workforce, is a lot of us have what's called imposter syndrome. You know, we always feel like, oh, we don't belong. Um, this room is too big for us. We didn't, you know, everybody else is, has greater achievements. And and if there's one thing that I could speak to, um, to the other women warriors out there is that it's so important to believe in yourself and to understand your worth. Because every person in this world plays a role. We all play a part. And it's very important, not just to be supportive to other women, but really to be self-supportive and to believe in ourselves. That's incredibly good advice. And just in terms of um, also, you know, I think it's it's a lot of people are fascinated by women in the military, um, just generally speaking, um, because it's been, you know, obviously traditionally more of a male-dominated field. Can you describe your experience as a JAG officer with the California State Guard being a woman? You know, I had an incredible experience with the California State Guard, and I understand that not all women share that experience. Um, But I do come from a background that I did join the military later in life and as Mm. I was commissioned in as an officer. And I also come from the legal industry, which is Mm -hmm. male-dominated as well. So Um, I have some experience in dealing with um, rooms that have a disproportionate amount of men. And I have definitely experienced many a time um, Mm. treatment that I feel was unique to me based on my gender. And I've learned to um, roll with the punches while maintaining my identity and authority as a proud woman in the law. So tell us um, about how and why you founded, I know we touched a little bit early in our conversation, but how and why you founded the Veterans Legal Institute and also what the mission is. So the Veterans Legal Institute is a free nonprofit law firm that provides life-changing and transformative services to low-income and homeless veterans. Many of our clientele are disabled, mentally ill, and at risk. And it was important to me as a patriot of the United States, someone who loves her country, um, which to me is not partisan. It's just I feel so blessed and I'm mindful of that blessing of being here, that for those who sacrificed uh, for my freedom and my opportunity, it's important to me and part of my values as an American to pay it forward. And so there was, I noticed, a strong void in military-specific legal services. Um, there is a void in attorneys who have the military cultural competency and understand um, the types of law that veterans often need assistance in. And so it inspired me to start my own nonprofit and seek out funding. And I thought to myself, if people think this is a worthy cause, they're going to support it. And if they don't think it's a worthy cause, then you know what? At least I tried. And that's actually how the Veterans Legal Institute started. 
So uh, what types of legal issues do you help veterans tackle? I know you said there was sort of a disproportionate amount of um, veterans who are homeless and um, perhaps suffering some of those. um, What did you describe them? The silent wounds? What was your term for it? Yeah, the invisible wounds of war. Invisible wounds of war. Yeah. So tell us about what type of legal issues do you help veterans tackle? Well, you know, there is an elephant in the room and there is more than one. And one of them is military sexual trauma. Um, And that is not unique to women. It also affects men. And at Veterans Legal Institute, we pride ourselves on assisting survivors of military sexual trauma and restoring their characterization of service if they have a negative one and helping them access the benefits and health care that they deserve. Other areas of law that we practice are discharge upgrades for those who receive a less than honorable discharge. If that characterization of their discharge is less than honorable as a result of military sexual trauma, a traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress as a result of a traumatic event that happened in the military, um, their gender, their race, or something of that nature, discrimination, then we do often apply for them to get that characterization of service upgraded to honorable. And for many reasons, one, to restore their dignity, because there is a cloud over those who feel that they separated from the military with a less than honorable, but also so that they can access the benefits that they earned while serving in the military. Other than that, we do provide landlord-tenant services. We try to keep veterans and their families in their homes, and we partner up with other organizations like Volunteers of America who have funding for that. So we represent the client. And it's amazing when you represent someone and you have money, how Mm -hmm. 10 times out of 10, they won't get evicted. And it's incredibly beautiful to be able to keep a veteran and her family housed because essentially what will happen is they're not living out of the car. They don't lose their belongings because they can't pay for storage. The children stay in the same school district. So the family goes unaffected. And it's incredibly hard when someone becomes homeless, especially in Orange County, where affordable housing is at a minimum, to find them housing when there's an eviction on their record versus keeping them housed and avoiding that homelessness and eventually chronic homelessness. Um, so those are just a few areas of the law that we practice. We also provide you know, assistance to older adult veterans and terminally ill veterans in estate planning. We provide consumer law services. Essentially, the entire civil gambit of the law is where we can help someone in need. So I'm also curious, we have a lot of women who are, you know, this last year has been kind of a reset where they've been thinking about what is it that I want to do with the rest of my life? So not only are you a lawyer, but you actually started a business. And so could you talk a little bit to that process of like, how did you actually, you know, get going and, you know, being a co-founder and having a vision and grants and hiring people and all of that sort of the business logistics of it? Sure. I do consider myself an entrepreneur before I'm an attorney. I mean, my joy really is in business and I love um, running the overall strategy and operation and and watching it grow. How I did it, well, definitely didn't happen overnight, ladies. So what I would say (laughs) is the first thing you need to do is give yourself grace and and know that uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, You know, it takes some time to get to that finish line and it takes a lot of um, hard work and Uh, you know, what did they say? Sweat, blood, and tears. Mm. Um, I essentially first was thinking about what am I most passionate about? Mm. 
And public service is something that really um, resonates with me and my core values. So I knew that if I'm passionate about service, that I wanted to dedicate my career to that end. So that was, you know, that's the one big hard part is first, you got to decide what you like to do. You know, it's one thing to measure your success by how much money you make. But if you make a lot of money in real estate, and you hate real estate, then you're not going to be happy. So you got to kind of first figure where your passions lie. Um, once I realized that I wanted to be in service, I looked for a void. Where is there a void in service that I could contribute? I could use my time, my talent, my treasure to really contribute. And I found that there was a void in veteran services when it comes to legal aid. And then what I started doing is I talked to everybody I could that I thought had any relevancy to the industry, people that had more experience than I did, people that I felt were intelligent, that would give me an honest assessment. And I really tried to measure up the industry by talking to people and doing that research. And that research was not just in, hey, what kind of services I should provide, but you know, what should the eligibility be? How do I market it? How do I get funding? Where do I find seed funding? And it was really several people. It was a tribe of us, you know, a village that lit that flame so that Veterans Legal Institute could come to be. I mean, it definitely wasn't me by myself. I couldn't have done it. You know, we had a founding board and many of them are still on the board and they're incredible and they really championed the cause for me. So for our listeners who are are thinking about making that switch, you would recommend sitting down, thinking about what it is that you're passionate about, reaching out to your network, both sort of on the business side and then people who are perhaps in the industry that you're you're headed into. Any other advice for for women who are thinking about um, starting a business? Yeah. Don't wait. You know, once you've done your research, if that's where you're passionate, don't don't be that person, you know, 20 years from now that says, I wish I had. You know, sometimes you do have to take measured risks. And I, I use the term measured with intention, right? You do have to look at your financial situation. You have to look at your resources. You have to look at your time and say, am I able to dedicate the requisite amount of all of these things to be successful, to, to get my feet off the ground? And if you think you can, then, you know, there's no better time than the present because, you know, we're not guaranteed an extra day. And if you have a dream or a passion and you you know, you have the opportunity to pursue it. I believe you should. That's great advice. Sometimes all it takes is a little push, a little bit of faith and take that measured risk and you never know where it's going to take you. Because I think sometimes, you know, it's, you can have more regret looking back on having not taken a risk than having taken something and failed and tried something else. 100%. And you know what? Failure isn't an end all be all. When I started Veterans Legal Institute, Many people, many people I still respect till this day advised me not to do so. They told me that it was a failing idea, that people don't want to fund lawyers. They don't like lawyers, um, that they don't understand the power of legal aid. Um, And, you know, and I did take their opinions into consideration, but I also took the opinions of others who provided me with relevant facts and data. And I looked at the opportunities out there and I thought, you know what? While some of the things those people said carry legitimacy, I think that with the knowledge and drive I have, that's going to outweigh the probability of failure for me. And even if I do fail, I know that I tried, Mm -hmm. uh, I pursued my passion and my dream, and I'm not going to have that regret later on. And so, you know, it's been 
several years now and we're still going, we're still growing. Every day is still a struggle between, you know, the emotional exhaustion of dealing with people in crisis and Mm -hmm. while trying to balance, you know, development and bringing in funds and fundraising. And so, you know, even with that, I consider every day a blessing that I decided to take that first step on this journey. So tell us, how do you um, reach out and I don't want to use the word market, but make yourself available to veterans? How do they learn about your organization? I do love using the word market because, you know, there's absolutely no charge for our services, but I feel so powerful when I'm like bringing in business. Um, Believe it or not, we get over 2,500 inquiries a year. So there's no shortage of demand. Yeah, it's it's so unfortunate. It is. It is. It, it's so unfortunate at the the need for free legal services. And a lot of people think, well, they fought for us. Don't they have their JAG officer? And it's I explain to them, I'm like, you get a JAG officer while you're in the military. The day you step out, that's done. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> it's it's pretty tremendous, I can say. Um we do attend several events. We author many articles. We're on lots of podcasts. Um, my staff are all champions in their area of the law. And as a result of that, um, we formed many partnerships. One, you know, we have a medical legal partnership with the VA hospital in Long Beach, as well as several other organizations. And so the applications come in on a daily basis and we have no shortage. Um, and it's really an unfortunate testimony to where we are as a nation today and, and where our veterans are. You know, there, and I'm I'm talking about the bottom ten percent. I'm not talking about the ninety percent of veterans who are doing awesome. I'm talking about those who are most in need that have really um, difficult mental health issues that they're trying to survive through. Those who have disabilities that they're getting used to. Those who are transitioning out of the military world into civilian life and struggling with that transition. And so, you know, fortunately, they find us. <laughs> And what about um, recruiting your attorney network? You have both um, in-house staff and then a volunteer network. How does that work? Well, I try to always hire from within. So people who volunteer with Veterans Legal Institute, typically when we have job openings, we do try to hire our volunteers because they've already been trained. I'm very proud to report that our executive management is all female at Veterans Legal Institute. Mm -hmm. Um, we also hire military spouses um, because I think they're one of the greatest untapped resources out there. A lot of people hesitate to hire male spouses because um, their spouse can be stationed to a different place. Um, but even prior to the pandemic, we've had military spouses working remotely for us, and they have been the most fantastic advocates for our veterans in need. Um, in terms of our uh, pro bono network. I do spend a lot of time reaching out to private attorneys and private law firms and asking them to um, take on cases pro bono. It's a unique way of giving back to the community because that skill set and that talent is in demand so much. It's it's very amazing when a homeless veteran's got a partner at a large law firm fighting for them. And then that homeless veteran who outside absent Veterans Legal Institute and absent this attorney gets a check for $500,000 because they were wronged. And they're just like, what do I do with this? I wasn't expecting this. I'm, I'm sleeping on the sand at the beach. And now, and my first thing is, well, go get yourself an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, but I do spend a lot of time and I encourage any attorneys out there who are interested in supporting veterans to contact us through vetslegal.com. And do you serve veterans all over the country or is it mostly centered in California? So our, our attorneys are only licensed in California and the demand is so great that we presently only serve Southern California. We originally started wow. in Orange County um, and then we moved into the Inland Empire because they're very under-resourced. So that includes Riverside County and San Bernardino County. We were able to do that through a generous um, Prop 63 grant through the California Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, and we do serve parts of LA County as well. So I am curious, I read about you on online in terms of your empowerment, um, empowering veterans into self-sufficiency. So can you tell us a little bit about how you do that through your organization? So, you know, sometimes they say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force that horse to drink. <laughs> um, a lot of times we will connect our veterans with other veteran serving organizations. And I know for some people who run nonprofits or even private businesses, they say, oh my gosh, well, aren't they your competition? And what I think is I'm more of the mentality of when we collaborate together, we provide more holistic services to the veteran and his or her family so that they don't need to return for repeat services. We empower them into self-sufficiency by removing barriers to their housing, their healthcare, education, their employment, because we want to see them successful. You know, the majority of veterans out there have a lot of pride and struggle to even ask for our services. So the fact that they even step forward and they say, hey, I need a hand up, we're not giving them a gift. We're just trying to give them a hand up so that they can become more self-sufficient. That's very powerful because that's pay it forward into the future, into the communities. Absolutely. It's definitely an investment into our community. So you were chosen as part of the 2018 Presidential Leadership Scholars class. Can you tell us about the program and your experience with it? Well, that's an incredible program. It is, I believe, the only program, uh, bipartisan program between presidents. It includes um, President Johnson, both Presidents Bush and President Clinton, where you get to meet and learn from their administrations about leadership. And they help you also formulate a uh, project and develop it. And it's it was a fantastic experience over six months. The cohort is 60 people from around the nation doing mm -hmm. amazing work in different areas, whether it be medicine or housing, nonprofit, venture capitalists. Um, so it's an eclectic miss, uh, mix of do-gooders out there, mm -hmm. and it's incredible to have that type of network really to bounce ideas off of and grow with uh, throughout that fellowship. At the time of this recording today, I can tell you that applications are open for the next class, and I definitely encourage anyone out there who's interested um, to, to apply for that experience. It truly was life-changing for me. And I'm sure some of the things that you learned and obviously the network you've carried forward then in your career. Absolutely. I mean, I'm in contact with my PLS family on a daily basis. I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about, um, we always talk about on this podcast, just how um, for women, when we hate to use the term balance, because it's a hard term to use, being both a mother, a wife, and also an entrepreneur, a lawyer. But can you speak a little bit to that aspect of your life and perhaps offer some words of wisdom um, to our listeners who are trying to 
do all of those things in their own lives? Absolutely. The first thing I do is I just threw the word balance out the window because you know what? Balance doesn't exist. Okay. So I reframed it in my mind and the way I look at it is I don't think I am likely to achieve and stay consistent with work-life balance, but I can have work-life harmony. Hmm. And the way I achieve that harmony is by looking at my priorities and triaging the most important things and dedicating enough time to my work, my family, my faith, my health, and my social circle. And so, you know, they say work hard, play hard. That's true. You got to also rest hard. You have to also take care of yourself. There's a reason why when you go on the airplane and they say, you know, in the event of an emergency, the those breathing things come down, first put it over your, you know, put the oxygen mask over your face before helping someone else. Because if you're low on energy, if, you're, if your gas tank is on empty and you're running on fumes, you're not good to anyone else. You're not good to your job. You're not good to your children. You're not good to your, you know, your extended family. And so um, I really look to my life on a daily basis and I triage all the things I want to do because like most of the women out there listening to your podcast, I'm very ambitious. I want to do it all. You know, I want to take those cooking classes and I want to become a yoga instructor on the side and I want to <laughs> learn how to speak French better. And I want to, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. I want to be at the top of my industry and I want to try every case and I want, but you know, and I want to be soup. I want to be room mom. <laughs> like, it's definitely it's not so going to happen. It's so and, true. And I will point, do a special shout out to the working moms out there because the guilt of working and being a mother is real. You know, it's hard to um, leave your children and go to work. And we all feel that guilt. But I would encourage those women out there and those men who stay at home with their children that sometimes, or, or men who leave their children and work and feel this way, sometimes quality of time can outweigh quantity of time. So if you know you do have a limited amount of time with your children, when you are with them, put that cell phone away. Do not be distracted. Don't check your work email. Be present. Enjoy those moments. I mean, my son's, my oldest son is going to high school and I don't know where the time went. And I'm thinking like, wow, did I, how did this happen? Did I spend enough time with my boy? Who's a man now? He's taller than me. <laughs> and so, you know, you just got to kind of figure out your work-life harmony and, and give enough time, love and attention to yourself and to the things that are the things and the people that are most important to you. Yeah, that's really that's really good advice, and um, I think being present where you are, where your feet are. I mean, that's so important, right? When you're at work, your work, and when you're at home, and you're at home, and um, I think it can be very hard to do because you're always, especially like in this COVID world, everything kind of blends together sometimes. So, I think that's very very important. Can we shift gears a little bit? And I would like to ask you um, about a memorable accomplishment. Maybe that's a veteran whose life you've changed or something as you sit here today and reflect on your career to date um, that you would like to share with our audience. Well, you know, in the public service industry, very frequently we have beautiful moments. And those are moments where you realize that your client has achieved the change that you wanted them to. And so I'm fortunate, even though we have tough days like everyone else, and some of them are really tough, um, but to celebrate the wins and really celebrate them and celebrate them stronger than we mourn the losses. Mm -hmm. And I'll share a recent win. Um, it was just something meaningful. It wasn't my win. It was uh, one of my staff members. He's a Navy veteran. 
and he connected a service member with his benefits. And that's something we do all the time. So why is it something that really touched me? You know, every year Veterans Legal Institute hosts a fundraiser called Lawyers for Warriors, and we put together a committee and I shoot out an email to our entire network and it says, would you like to be on the committee? And this year, about 35 people emailed me and there was only one person on that list that I was not familiar with. So we're having the Zoom meeting, the, the committee meeting, and there's this person on the Zoom meeting and I'm like, gosh, this person looks like he's tired. And I don't know this person and the, you know, his internet was coming in and out and he didn't say anything. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe it's just a fluke. I don't, I don't know who this person is. And so at the very end, when everyone was getting off the zoom, there were four minutes or four people left on the zoom with me. He speaks up and he goes, excuse me, excuse me. My name is so-and-so and I'm sorry, my internet connection is bad, but I really want to help. I served in the Marine Corps and I really want to pay it forward to Veterans Legal Institute because you guys, you guys got me 70% um, for my ailment. And, and I talked to your attorney and he, he was in the Navy and he said that he's going to get me um, 100% because I, I can't work anymore. And I'm so sorry my, my internet is really bad because I just had surgery and I'm at the hospital and he proceeds to move his camera to the leg that was just amputated. Ugh. And he goes back and he goes, I'm sorry, I'm in this condition, but I'll do anything to help. I want to pay it forward. I can make cold calls for you. And I was just looking at this, this gentleman thinking, wow. I mean, he just, he's still like under the anesthetic of it all. And just having your leg amputated and, and to feel so strongly to say, I accepted this from you, but I'm going to pay it forward to to other people like me that are in need because you guys did me a great service. It really touched me. It really touched me. Um, and that's just one of many hundreds of stories that we have at Veterans Legal Institute. And it really speaks to our military population that even when they find themselves in a challenging situation, they're always ready to continue the mission and serve. That's incredibly rewarding and so and such a powerful powerful testament to what you do and also to the people who have, you know, served this great country and shown bravery and all those other things that you have when you're a member of the military. Um, and so thank you for sharing that with us. So on the flip side, can you describe some of the things that are the most challenging um, that you deal with day to day to day, whether it's a story or with, whether things that just sort of stretch you um, beyond your comfort zone? Yeah, I mean... If- you know, in terms of running a business, it can be stressful because you always have to be mindful of your accounts receivable, right? Like, do we have mm-hmm. enough money to keep the lights on? Do I have enough money to retain my staff? Am I competitive enough with other organizations in terms of pay? How do I raise more money to pay them? And that's always weighing heavy mm-hmm. on my heart, right? Um, I always need more staff because if we're getting 2,500 inquiries, I mean, there's only so much that, you know, my, my mighty staff of a little bit less than 20 can help along with our pro bono attorneys. And I mean, we log in over 10,000 hours, volunteer hours a year. So, I mean, the entire community is pitching in and we still can't meet this demand. So that's something that um, I often find challenging on a daily basis, thinking of creative ways to um, continue to make sure that we meet the demand um, for veterans in need and that no veteran goes unserved. In terms of the actual work that we provide, it can be emotionally exhausting. You know, there can be burnout. You can experience burnout when you're listening to 
stories of crisis on a daily basis. Um, it's hard to listen to a veteran break down and say, I haven't seen my children in six months, or I've had this brain injury and I can't get to a doctor that understands what's going on. Or I was raped in service and nobody's listening to me. You know, it's important to be strong for those that we're helping, but at the end of the day, you know, it's hard not to always internalize, um, you know, those things because typically not always, but typically attorneys who join legal aid, while they are a type, they're very empathetic. And so they really feel what other people are feeling, which is why they find pleasure in doing this type of work, even though it pays significantly less than what their private, you know, their counterparts are making in the private world. Um, so sometimes I kind of have to take a step back and, and disconnect and, and be mindful of my blessings and grateful that I'm, a, I'm in a position to assist rather than uh, being in the position of, of crisis. Yeah, it's a great attitude to have, an attitude of gratitude. Um, Absolutely. So just as you reflect back on your career to, to date, um, to whom do you credit your success other than obviously your incredible work ethic? But if you look back on it, um, just who has had sort of the greatest influence in your you career? Know, you know, it might be cliche, but I mean, my parents are incredible. They just supported me. Um, they always believed in me and they taught me to believe in myself. I'm also... Um, I'm very faithful when it comes to, you know, believing in a greater power. And I, I feel very strongly every day when I wake up in the morning and I, I count my blessings and I do it out loud. Actually, I speak them out loud. And sometimes I do it with my children. I ask them, I'm like, what are you grateful for today? Mm. Um, and I always thank God that I'm in this position that I'm in. Um, and I always think to myself, you know, I can do anything today because God is with me. And that's just been a really important part of my foundation as a woman and, and as a mother and as an entrepreneur and just doing my day to day, I have struggles like everybody else. Um, and those struggles that I have, I don't think are embarrassing, nor are they unique to me. It's just life. And so I take them on one at a time and I stay mindful of, of my faith. And I stay mindful that I have a family, a strong family behind me that supports me. So in closing, I'd like to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, which is, what is your best piece of advice for developing professional self-confidence? I know I touched on it before, but it's so important, especially for your women listeners out there to really know yourself and know your worth. If you know who you are, no one can question it. If you're solid in who you are as a human, you're solid in your values and you stick to those values, then I believe you will be successful in life. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Antoinette. To learn more about the Veterans Legal Institute, visit vetslegal.com. If you enjoyed our podcast, hit subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you always to our home team of friends and family for supporting us in our mission. This episode was produced and edited by Madeline and Becca. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, you are somebody.